Hi, I'm Tina Brinkley-Potts, business strategist, online marketing trainer, and success coach. And I would love to welcome you to fall. I named the show Fall because it is my intention that we will help you learn to live a life full of vitality, full of purpose, and full of self-love. In the upcoming shows, I'll have topics such as you know, a new style of prayer in 2014, how to reinvent your life at any age, and the list goes on and on. Today's topic, though, is just about starting with a full cup. I can't remember who coined the phrase first, but I do remember seeing it by Lisa Nichols in a video um, of one of her speeches. And what she talked about was given everyone from the overflow it was almost like they did a demonstration took a picture and was um, a pitcher of water and literally started pouring it into a bowl and saying you know you want to be the full person and everything that goes down into the bowl that's really what you should be giving from and I totally totally believe in that concept but I'm not the only one that's here today I have some great great guests so first up is Dr. Michelle Knights, and Dr. Knights has been a professor of human development and family studies. She's also worked in marginalized communities and public health environments. As an entrepreneur and businesswoman, she endeavors to help people of all walks of life find their purpose and passion to live profitably and a fulfilling life. So hi, Dr. Knights. How are you? I am fantastic, Tina. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So next we have Miss Antoinette Capri, even though we call her Miss Nikki. <laughs> Miss Nikki is the author of the highly encouraged book, 31 Ways to Brighten Your Days, was featured on ABC News for her teen and anti-bullying and self-awareness program called I Matter. She coaches countless individuals, professionals, families, and entrepreneurs to change their lives and increase their confidence using valuable emotional intelligence awareness tools, techniques, and strategies. Hi, Antoinette. Hi. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. It's nice to have you. You and I was talking about emotional intelligence on Friday and if we just didn't stop ourselves, we could have stayed all night. Yes, we could. <laughs> yes. And so next up is Fonda Clayton-Smith. As a transformation strategist, Fonda Clayton-Smith teaches women how to be in their bodies authentically and possess their true personal power. Often women feel they have to compromise, and she believes you can have both fulfilling personal and professional lives. When we tell our truth, we are power-filled and unstoppable. Hi, Fonda. Hey, Tina. Hey, ladies. Honored to be with you today. And last but not least, I have Candace Ifama Barnes, and she is known as the wordsmith extraordinaire, and I'll, I'll tell a little joke about that later. But she has... <laughs> She is over 30 years mastering the craft of speaking and writing on her own behalf as well as for her clients. 
Her most recently published work is featured in Forgiveness, 21 Days to Forgive Everyone for Everything by New York Times bestselling author Ilyana Van Zandt. Candace's greatest desire is to leave a legacy of inspiring people all over the planet to share their stories and to live every day from their personal yes. Hi, Candace. Hey, Tina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about being on the call today. Yes, and, you know, I, I could have really talked about you weaving a tapestry, but... um. I'll, I'll, that's a whole nother subject, so I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> so, you, you know, let's, let's get on to really the main reason why I wanted the four of you to join me in a conversation, and that is due to the recent passing and um, suicide of Karen Washington. For those of you who may not know who Karen Washington is, she is the founder of the blog for Brown Girls and also the creator of the Dark Skin Red Lip Project. Um, she, The Red Lip Project, I think, was so important, and I won't get into the rapper's name, but he made a comment and said that dark-skinned women should not wear red lipstick. And so she started another blog and asked women to take a picture of themselves with the red lipstick on and send it in to uh, this blog, and they would post all of them. But she, you know, in committing suicide, we have to wonder, even though she was really – raising other people somewhere along the line, she didn't feel like she could be supported. So I'm going to start with Dr. Knights and see what's your perspective on this? Well, it, it's just uh, such a sad and unfortunate um, event that happened in, in this uh, young woman's life. She was only 22 years old and the life of her family and friends, and in this case, fans and followers and people who believed in her and, you know, really draw strength from her. But it it speaks to the issue of despair and that very lonely, isolated world of despair that can lead to suicide. And when you think about what despair means, it is that complete and utter loss of hope. It's the very absence of hope. And so while she was able to instill hope to others, her cup wasn't full for herself. And so she didn't have hope that she could meet uh, the needs that existed in her life. And that's probably because she didn't have some of the outlets or the resources or the support system because now she's seen as this strong woman, this this advocate, this voice of the community. And so when despair, that absence of hope for your own personal set of circumstances becomes so consuming, suicide becomes more and more and more of a viable option. And unfortunately, in this case, uh, seems like the only option uh, for her at this time. And what happens is it becomes a double disaster 
because it takes a life prematurely, and then it wreaks incredible, incredible havoc on the lives of those who are left behind. And so we know that survivors are often completely devastated and traumatized. Their feelings of guilt and grief and even anger and resentment. And you know, people are left feeling confused, and especially in this particular situation where um, it, it goes against everything that she seemed to represent. I mean, lots of confusion. And, and I read a blog post earlier today from one of her followers who just was very angry about all of this and at the end, you know, asked for forgiveness. But it, it's, a, it's typical of what happens um, with this kind of double disaster that goes on. There's no time to say goodbye. There's no time to intervene or try to intervene. And people are left feeling, you know, perhaps I could have done more. And I just want to bring some context around um, this kind of despair um, and that leads to suicide by saying that by far the major cause of suicide is untreated depression. And people who live with depression for a long time learn how to hide that from even those closest to them to to some degree, to some level. Uh, But when we look at the National Institute of Mental Health saying, reporting that 15% of people who are afflicted with a major depressive disorders, and if they're not treated or don't respond well to treatment, they will end their lives by suicide. That's a major uh, outcry. That's a major bit of information that we need to share. I just wanted to add, and you know, even though this show isn't concentrating just on, you know, people of color, but people of color, those statistics go up even higher because mental health is almost taboo in those communities. It's almost like you can't, you can't even discuss it to say you're depressed. Um, is 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 like you, you know you really should just go smack yourself because nobody doesn't want to listen to you. But we we need for people to understand that that can happen, and a lot of untreated depression uh, shows up in other ways: alcoholism, drug addiction, food addiction, all of those things. So I just wanted to jump in there and just kind of to add that because one wonders why she didn't reach out for help. Not not saying that we know the entire situation because we don't, but you kind of wonder and you wonder if that fact played any kind of a factor in all of this. Exactly, and that's that's where my, that's what I was wondering as well and and you know, it's often easy to get caught up with an external image that's portrayed and not pull the layers back and really understand what's happening with that person. And sometimes we don't have the opportunity to do that, but those who are even closest to that person don't have that opportunity. Um, and so the only other thing I wanted to add is is that when we think about um, people who have serious illnesses, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm – the 
end is near for me. What's the point of living? I don't want to have this pain and suffering. People with cancer, heart disease, that kind of thing. They do not kill themselves. Suicide is not an option for them as much as it is for people who deal with depression. So it's a very serious issue. In wow. fact, it, it, what's striking for me most here is that it's about 35 times the normal suicide rate what we see in people who are depressed. And you're right, in, in minority communities, it's often a, an indication that you don't have a strong faith system, you don't believe in God, you don't, you know, we don't get depressed, right? Um, and and so that those are barriers that we need to be aware of. And I think the message here is um, help is available. People do experience emotional pains in life that gets them to the place where they think it hurts too much to live. And that's help that's right. That's yeah. that's help, that's help is available. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, help and, help and is available. Help, help is available. available. And Fonda, if I know you're in the blogging world and I'm sure in social media, what's your perspective on this situation? Hmm. Well, I was, I was reading a blog earlier today, and the one line that struck me was that um, it was in quotes um, that white people are depressed and basically that black women um, are strong and we are not human. And, you know, basically the underline, the undertone is ain't nobody got time to be depressed. And... Um, I just want to share a, a personal story, right? So because we need to put these things, we, we could talk about them um, unattached, but I want to really um, help any listener that may be considering or has thought about it to, to let them know you're not alone. I've thought about it. I remember when my mother um, had passed away, I really wanted to end it. I planned it. I knew how I was going to do it. Um, I knew who I was going to write. Um, but the one thing that helped me was therapy. And that's the one thing that we as black people, people of color, women, we, um, it's not necessarily an avenue that we know that is available to us. And I just wanted to share that, you know, therapy helped me be here fully in a way that I've never been here because I thought that all the love and understanding died with my mother. And I'm here to tell you that I was able to fill my cup really slowly with the things that I agreed to that was important for me to live this life and to be here today. Wow, um, I, I really, I, I just want to just pause just one second and honor yeah. you for being that real and honest in this moment. So, I, I mean, I, I don't want to start clapping and, and break, bust you guys' eardrums, but literally <laughs> I, I, the highest form of honor I could possibly yeah. bestow upon you right now. I am doing that for sharing that. First and foremost, most people who, you know, are are in the expert space or sure. or whatever never tell that part of the story. Right. 
And I think that that is a big issue. I think because when someone goes through something, they are believing this falsehood that everything is so easy. So when they start mm-hmm. going through something, they start feeling like there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And right. in this moment, you just dispelled that. So, again, I, 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 I can only just thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for creating the platform that we can have this conversation because, you know, a lot of times we only want to pick up the phone when everything is is rosy. Yeah. And sometimes stuff just sucks. Mm-hmm. And you need someone, <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to say it sucks when it sucks. And um, And the best gift that you can give to yourself is to be able to talk to someone that's not going to judge what you are feeling because what you're feeling is just a manifestation of accumulation of thoughts that are just running around uh, with no adult supervision, as Candace would say. And it's just you have to just check it. You know, is this true or not? And just be able to examine that. And Antoinette, you you probably are dealing a lot with this issue, especially dealing with teens, anti-bullying. Mm-hmm. I, I know you have a great perspective on on this. Oh, absolutely! And I thank everybody for um, taking the time to actually express their perspective on it. Um, I'm sitting here busting at the seams because it's like this is the whole reason why I started doing emotional intelligence in the first place. It's, it's my desire to get more people aware of the fact that we missed the mark when we were training up our children in our societies on how to recognize, understand our feelings. And in as I'm also coaching, I'm also a student, and I learn as much as I as I help. And while I'm learning, I'm learning that we are trained or we get messages from our body, electric messages, and they go through our brain system, but the first system that they go through is our feeling system. That's the limbic system. And then we get to the frontal lobe, which is the rationale. So we're feeling before we can even really reason of what it is that we are going through. But the problem is that no one has taught us in any of our cultures, most of our cultures, that how to feel, express your feeling, and then be able to think about, stop and think about it to make the right choice, to make good decisions. We all have opinions. But making good decisions and making decisions that are helpful to you that is not for the pleasing of others has been a big problem. We're all still, when we go to school, we're we're trained to wait for permission. And we're also trained to wait and and have the right answer. You're, You're cast out if you make a mistake or if you have the wrong answer or you're laughed at. Well, the problem with that is that's how we grow. That's what we learn. That's that's how we actually build our character on the fact that we made a mistake and that we are unique and that we will always be unique. We were sent here with a purpose, and that's the main issue, that we're purposeful. We, we're not supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to be purposeful. So when we get 
people understanding. Ooh, can we say that again? Because that's like a tweetable right there. <laughs> you know, you know what? I'm sorry. I know. I know. In uh, in radio, we're not supposed to have those pauses. You want to talk the whole time, but wait a minute. We got to pause for that one. We are not supposed to be perfect. We're not supposed, we are supposed to, be to be purposeful. Absolutely. Exactly. And mm. and the, we don't get a chance when we're when we're growing to really understand that. And I got on this mission because I was born to a teenage mom and she gave me the basics and I was wonderfully allowed to go to a uh, friend school and be with private school kids and do all that wonderful stuff and I didn't get to see that I was a different color and a different this and a different that. I didn't learn that until I came to Delaware, but that's a whole nother story. Um it was just the fact that I got to see the world in its openness as opposed to somebody telling me I'm black, I'm a woman, I'm this, I'm that. I wasn't told that. I was told anything's possible, anything you can do, any so I believed that, have always believed it. I never got the ability to have a slave mentality. So when I was trying to connect with my mom, it was difficult because she wasn't seeing what I was seeing, and it made it very hard for us to actually communicate. Well, when you're raised by a single parent and it's hard for you to communicate, can you imagine all these children now that are being raised by parents that didn't have enough to be able to give them the basics? To give them oh. good, you know, understanding, sending them to school, making sure they go, making sure they have their clothes, making sure they have nutritious food, that kind of thing. So this really goes into, because I could go on, this really goes into a whole bunch of the fact that we have to learn how to recognize and manage our feelings. And and once we can do that, because another th- point that Karen was probably going through a situation where she found a way of understanding her gift and talent to to bless other people, to to be their cheerleader um, and help them. But she didn't really believe that there was someone that could actually help her or or what I teach as a creating your own support systems so that you yes. have a core place to go to when you are not feeling your best because you need a cheerleading section. And, you and might we're going to get to that. Yeah, we, we're you, definitely going to get to that because you, you know, need a cheerleading you, section. and I'm one. I apologize to you on the phone ahead of time because I am definitely a cheerleading section. You might say something, ladies. You might say something, on the, and I'll go yes, and because I'm always, <laughs> I, I am like the positive guru when it comes. I just love when I hear something good and something positive that's going to help. Me, you, anybody that's going to get us going forward, because, again, purposeful. Yeah, yeah, and we definitely, we will get to, because one of the things that I promised myself when I started this show was every time I do a show, I'm going to leave people with a strategy, a tool that they can implement in their lives. We're not going to just talk about the problem and keep amplifying the problem. We will definitely bring a solution. So that's going to come next. But, Candace, I want you to be able to weigh in and honor Karen and this situation as it's happened. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. <clears throat> the comments, you all's comments have been so powerful. I've been so touched. As Tina said, that was definitely a tweetable. And so <laughs> and don't be surprised, Miss Antoinette, if you get blown up on Twitter because it's about to go up. 
Um, <laughs> you guys but, are too uh, yeah, No, seriously, don't be perfect. We're not supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to be purposeful. Yeah. I mean, talk about a, a, a mantra to live by. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, as the wordsmith, words make my heart sing. So when I hear something that makes me happy, I'm just me sort too. of a all over the place. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Um, and also, Fonda, I, I I touch and agree with you for being so, as Tina said, vulnerable. Because yes. the truth of the matter is that you know when when we're in the midst of it, and I say we because I'm going to tell my little story in just a moment. But when we're in the midst of it, it's hard to remember that other people have been there, are are going there, are in it. Also, you you think you're by yourself. You don't know that there is someone else that's having, um, having, has had, will have the same experience. So thank you for speaking that truth. And and Dr. Knight also, just for sharing the perspective of um, the statistics as well as, you know, why this is such a big issue in our community and, and the devastating effect it has not only on the person for that they're living with it, but then also on the loved ones who are affected by it. So just from my perspective really quickly, you know, when I was studying to be ordained um, in the early um, part of 2000, so around 2003 or four, I was going through a moment, and I've, I've actually had an experience of depression for much of my life, and I'm grateful to say that I, I have come over that mountain, at least for now. And I say that because we all go through periods. But I went through a really serious period um, just in the last couple of years where it was all I could do to get out of bed. It was all I could do to get dressed and go to work. It was all I could do to remember that there was something else besides um, just how lethargic I felt. I mean, nothing helped. And, you know, I said to my sister, who's a psychiatrist, you know, I have great health benefits. Everybody doesn't have those. I have, I had a therapist. Everybody doesn't have that. I had resources. I had friends and family who knew where I was. Um, but, you know, I kind of was isolating. And I said to my sister, I said, I don't know how people who don't have what I have who don't have the resources and the advantages and the the resilience that I do, quite frankly, because even in the midst of be, feeling as bad as I was, I knew that that wasn't all there was. And I was looking for help. And I really, I was actively calling for support. And I called doctors, many doctors, who said, well, I'm not taking any new clients on my insurance plan. And I'm like, so, and I said, well, how can I find somebody? Go back to the list. I said, I got you off the list. You're the 25th person I've called, and nobody's taking people. And I'm not doing well, and you need to help me. But I was able to say that. A lot of people can't. And I remember a few years ago that, as I said, it was about 10 years ago, I was in the process of training for my ordination, and I went to one of the elders in the community and said, you know, pray for me. I'm really not doing well right now. And this person said to me, daughter, you got to get over that. People need us. And, you know, fortunately, again, being the resilient person I am, having the strength that I do, that didn't knock me out. But it might have knocked somebody else out. 
Who knows what someone said or didn't say to our beloved daughter that had her just feel so um, in such a state of despair that she just couldn't take it. You know, I reached out for help, and and I'm telling you, I didn't always get the help that I needed or wanted. So, well, you know, I, Candace, I think that brings me to exactly where I want the show to go, and sure. that is that we leave everyone with at least one tool mm-hmm. that they Absolutely. can use to find that strength, to yes. find the the self awareness to so that this is no longer an option Th- that Absolutely. this should not be the option so since you're the one that's still talking why don't you start there first what would be your tool or strategy um well again as a lover of words the thing that saves my life on a daily basis and I do mean daily is writing and um and for me, some days that looks like I don't even know what I'm supposed to write. And if I have to write that ten times until something else comes, I write that. But I have a practice that I have every day that I write a minimum of 750 words, which is about three pages. And some days, like I said, I don't have a clue what I'm going to write when I go to that page, but every single day I do that. That's how in the in the first part of the day at some point I write my 750 words. And then at the end of the day, I spend time in my writing. I write down things that I'm proud of myself for, that I'm celebrating myself for that day. I write down things that I'm grateful for in that day. And I also write down what my desires are. And and it can be from, you know, the sublime to the ridiculous. Some days it's, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to get up this morning. And some days I'm you know, I'm grateful because, you know, I got a $10,000 check and a new client. You know, it's the whole gamut. But for me, again, it's writing and writing every single day. And for me, that's my form of meditation, to take okay. that time to spend with myself and journal about what's going on in my world. And it it really has made a difference for me and for people that I work with. Okay, okay. And so uh, I was going to call you Michelle, but Dr. Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I won't even go into that story. But Dr. Knight, <laughs> why don't you give us to give? You know, Candace says writing, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, sometimes, if you don't feel like you're being heard, actually picking up a paper and a pen and just letting it go really does allow you to release. So that that is, a, is an important one. But Michelle, why don't you give us one too? Sure, yes. The the one that I want to share right now is to put on your oxygen mask. I am an avid traveler. I love flying. I'm a global kid at heart. And every time I travel, and everyone will hear this, you know, be sure to put on your oxygen mask first before helping children or you know, anybody around you. And so... Uh, when several years ago when I became a single parent through divorce and my youngest was not even yet two and um, I had a child with uh, some uh, congenital disabilities as well and I returned to graduate school and I was working on my PhD and working full-time and life just seemed to be 
very uh, overwhelming at times, but I couldn't allow it to be overwhelming because I was superwoman. Nobody could tell me otherwise. I was, I, it was the era of superwoman um, was the best woman, was the real woman, and, and I needed to, to prove to myself and to everybody else around me that I could do it alone and I can do it very well. And uh, there were times when I would be totally exhausted. Uh, I, I would, in, in the privacy of my home, everything would be falling apart, but externally, you know, it would look like I really had it together. But even when it was falling apart, I, I kept finding that energy to just push and make it better. And so I really liked the phrase, again, that we heard earlier, it's not about perfection, it's about purposeful. But it was all about perfection for me back then. <laughs> <laughs> and um so and so I, so now so now and as I tell everybody you've taken the s off your chest. I, I that's my oh, favorite yeah. thing. I've taken oh, yeah. the s off my chest. I am oh, no man. longer walking around with the s. I am first and that's something to say when you're a mother. Mhm. Oh, yeah. In your life mm-hmm. you have to be first. Put the oxygen mask on first before put, you can put help it on somebody first. else. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. really hit me one day when I was at the point of passing out from sheer exhaustion emotionally, physically, mentally, even spiritually. I, I just I was at the end of my rope with not being able to do what was in front of me at that moment. I just needed to stop. And the children were hungry and they were crying and they were needing some attention. And I stopped. And I fixed myself a meal, and I, and I, for the first time, I fed myself before I fed them. And I, I just needed to do that out of sheer survival, and then it hit me. Wow. I got to put, and, and, you know, they're looking at me, and I'm saying to them, I have to put my oxygen mask on first. And poor kids, they have no idea what like I was talking were, about. It was almost yeah, like you were a yeah. three-headed monster in that moment. Because it's like, <laughs> yeah, whoa, yeah. who is this? Who's this <laughs> person? From that <laughs> moment on, I have been learning and putting your oxygen mask on means different things to different people and even at different times to the same people it would be something else so it could be uh reflection it could be finding a quiet place it could be putting on that song that you just you know yell to the top of your voice and dance like nobody's watching and you know just it might be calling a friend it might be praying it might be meditation it might be whatever you need to rejuvenate and to fill that cup back up, I really like the, the topic of this um, show today because it resonates with me on so many levels. But, yeah, put your oxygen mask on first. Mm-hmm. Great, great. I, I love that one. So, okay, Fonda, you got two good ones to, to throw. What's yours you're going to throw into the ring? <laughs> hmm. Okay, well, I've been doing a practice of waking up. Waking up is something that um, it is the pacemaker of the day. And so you know how you, you're in the habit of waking up to some, like, jarring alarm and you, like, you feel like you're having, like, a slight heart attack? Don't do that. So you have to, like, set an alarm to, a, to a something soothing that lulls you out of sleep. And even if it means that you have to... Um, wake up 15, 10, 15 minutes earlier than, than you're ready to get out of bed and just to lie there and go through all the things that you have appreciation and gratitude for. So it might go something like, 
Man, this pillow is bomb. Oh, my neck feels so good. Oh, I slept so well. The room is so dark. These sheets are, oof, God, I feel so good. Anything, any small little thing that you can think of to create the, the positive momentum of gratitude in your day, this helps preset the day. And... um the other thing that I love, love, love to do is eating. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. I love to eat. And for for people for people who don't know Fonda, you know we're all laughing because this isn't a stretch. We should have known that food was going to be in this. But uh, I, I'm sorry for interrupting, but you, you did that. You, you know, you, you got I was it. really wondering when we were going to get there because I'm like, what? Yeah. I mean, it got, it got so warm. It got so warm. Anyway, so so sometimes we have, like, these big, huge projects, right, and they're, like, arduous, and they're going to take months. But the one thing that you can do to completion is scramble you some eggs. You know what I mean? And pour yourself a nice cup of orange juice. You've completed something, and you eat it mindfully, and you're chewing enough, and you're just, like, grateful for all the things that went into those eggs being on that plate and putting your orange juice in a fancy glass and and eating off of a real plate that you have to wash treat honoring yourself and treating yourself like the like the the royalty that you are mm-hmm. nothing can be more awesome like if you do those two things for yourself like nothing else for me Nothing else can can touch it because you've given that to yourself. You filled the cup for yourself, and you've also put on your oxygen mask. And I, I just think that that's just really cool. Yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, wow, Antoinette, your turn. <laughs> well, I, I love all of what you, you all had to say. I actually, I don't know if these are tweetables. I'm not saying that, but... All of the things that all the things that you have said have touched on things that I actually have grown to learn from myself, and then I try to give to others. So, like Fonda was saying, maintaining the attitude of gratitude, and Dr. Knight was saying that the person has to um, you have to know your person before you play your role, and that's I, I strongly encourage that because until you know who you are, the role that you play doesn't exist. Um, and then when Candace was talking about writing, I love that part because the journals that I pass out for the teens as well as the parents as far as the professionals, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying before, but writing is the doing part of thinking. Mm-hmm. So if you are Dag, Nikki, you did it again. Oh, what? what? <laughs> well, the thing <laughs> that you have to continue to say that in your mind because remember, we have to stop, breathe, think, and then act. So if you are thinking and you're thinking about it and it's your thoughts, it's not an action until you write it. And then when you write it, you know the the old saying that says, um, "What? What? I'm trying to remember, and I knew I was going to forget it. Um, write it, make it, write it, make it plain. Write write the mm-hmm. message and make it plain. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly who said that, so that, I'm gonna leave that one alone. But 
writing is a thinking part. I mean, is a doing part of thinking. And so bringing all that in to say that my tool would be that once you are in that area, stay with a mission. Continue to create your own mission for you because as long as you are having the attitude of gratitude and you're finding yourself as a person and you're writing, you have to be going somewhere. You You need to actually continue to wake up and say, this is what I want to do. And you don't need one mission because you were created with many gifts and talents. And so remembering that gifts and talents are really not for you, they're for you to give You have to understand that if you're giving, like we were talking about, Tina, a closed hand never gets anything in it. It it, it has to open up. Don't get me preaching, okay? I think that's what you want me to do. You want me to start channeling my preacher up on this call today. Bring it. You know, I'm going to cheerlead you on. Well, (laughs) I'm going to cheerlead that on all the time. You know, <laughs> well, I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit, but I'm going to get give everybody something a little silly to do because okay. we take life way too seriously. And I'm not going I to go into right. which religion you are, you know, which one you claim, whether you're spiritual, if you call them God, Allah, whatever it is, source. I think we take all of this way too seriously. Life is meant to be joyous. So Tina sets her vibration every single day by having a concert in my car. Everybody knows it. Anybody that knows it, I'm not going to say I can sing because I can't, but you can't tell me that. I I will get in and. It's my time to not think because we overthink everything. And I I, I have a girlfriend that used to tell me, you know, my intuition is telling me that he's cheating on me or my intuition. I was like, girl, that is your ego. Keep running that same crap to you over and over and over again because you're not giving it a rest. Mm -hmm. So if I can get you to do something that's going to give the situations a rest, and for me, that's music. For me, Turn that music on, let it blast, and really get into it so that you can let all thoughts go. It will change your life. Mm-hmm. It really will. It just, it, it really will. And since I'm already on the, you know, spiritual side of things, I I really want everyone to weigh in on having the self-awareness and the worth be internal. And I'm going to start this one with one, you know, that I want everybody to understand. Everyone wants to make God this external being, but God's in you. You know, you don't need a pastor to get to him. You don't need me anybody on this call, you don't need, uh, no one can bring him to you. You just have to be still and know. So everybody else's opinion of you doesn't matter. And and I know everybody, everybody sits there and goes, she's got to be kidding. Everything we do is based off of somebody else. The the more you take that back 
you take that power back, the more joy you will live in. Is any, who, who wants to weigh in on that? I will. Um, <clears throat> that is such a word. As uh, Nikki said, we obviously are stirring up that preacher in you because mm-hmm. that is truly a word about really landing um, solidly, squarely in the middle of your own self and really not caring, um, getting to a place where you cannot care what anybody else thinks and understand that it it just doesn't matter. You know, um, when I really claimed myself as a writer, it was when I started writing for me. And I started publishing what I was writing because it made me happy. And if anybody else got something out of it, well, good for them. But I was just writing it because it it felt good to me. And it was such a blessing to me to hear from other people how it blessed them what was coming to me to write about and to, to put out in the world. So I know, and everything that I've done over the last few years that has helped me get past that place of really crippling depression has been when I've answered the call to do what felt good to me. Um, recently taken on the commitment to reclaim my health, it was the same thing. It's like I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm doing it because I want to feel good about me. And I write about it every day and I share about it every day. And, again, I'm not doing it for anybody else and I don't really care what anybody else thinks about it. If you don't want to read it, don't look at it. But i got to write it for me. So, yes, absolutely, we have got to do whatever is possible. And it's, it's challenging because, you know, we all have those voices in us that say, girl, you shouldn't do that or, oh, my goodness, or whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters is God, and God says we're perfect. So everything else is moot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Antoinette, when a student comes to you, and they say, or let's even, let's take it out of a student. Let's go, let's go to like a, an adult, a, a woman comes to you and she says, you know, I could be happy if he, mm-hmm. and normally he is her boyfriend or something mm-hmm. like that. W- what do you say to that? Why are you giving power outside of yourself? What what is it that anyone can do that makes you? Why what is it? Why do you say he? Why do you say she? Why are you still waiting for permission to be grown? I I I I have to say it in that way because the only time someone can actually wake up is in discomfort. Long time ago, I thought I was thinking, you know, why does God let the devil exist? Why, why, why? And I kept saying, there's got to be a reason because anything that he's not happy with, he could just, discon- you know, discontinue. It doesn't even have to be there. But the only time that you don't know happiness until you've been sad, you don't understand pleasure until you've had some pain. We 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 don't get it. So in order for you to wake someone up. You have to bring them the truth in a way that actually helps them see outside themselves, but at the same time love, because love conquers everything. But anytime somebody comes to me asking about somebody else, I keep, why are you giving your power away? 
Why are you giving and allowing and waiting for permission? Mm. Fonda, how how would you suggest that someone begin to reclaim their internal power? Um, well, well, first let's take a pause for the for the tweet. Uh, <laughs> I was trying not to do it this time. <laughs> Wait, why are you waiting for permission to be grown? Mm. And yeah. then the pleasure and pain thing. I, I, I mean, I was I was really trying not to go there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really. Right there. <laughs> you guys are you're waiting for a pass. It's like you're playing the game Monopoly. You know, this is like collect your two hundred dollars. Right, right, you know, like. right. Exactly, exactly. <gasps> yeah. So um, the internal bell, right? So for me, it's really about beginning to listen to. Um, Self. So if, if we were to place our hands on our heart for as little as 15 to 30 seconds and close our eyes, and if we, if the four of us, if we did that right now and we just closed our eyes and we just listened, it is always this really solid, peaceful, resounding yes because every time our heart beats it is it is a internal agreement of being here now and now and now you are it you are the it that you're looking for it never ceases to be you it never ceases to be about you and being selfish is a wonderful thing but that's a totally different topic for another oh, yeah. call but <laughs> but but definitely like if we can just be with our heartbeat because this is this is God's gift every every organ every cell that agrees to die every one that every cell that that agrees to live to function for you without your knowledge is awesome how could it get any more awesome than that so it starts with the heartbeat and just feeling the heartbeat and just turning your eye in internally to the magic that is you. Wow. Mm. Wow. Michelle, how how would you suggest that someone begin to look in, internally for <laughs> their strength? Wow. Well, I, I was listening to the the great points that have been brought forward on this part of the conversation and um, realize that I think we must say a little bit about the lenses through which we see the world and ourselves. I think that's critically important because that lens, those lenses that we use to see the world and ourselves They're shaped by our lived experiences, by our culture, by our values, our belief systems, our family norms, our expectations, and so on. And so while this conversation that we're having here has some really valid points, I think think it's important to note that it'll probably be a little bit different 
ask if we were talking to someone from an individualistic society versus someone from a collectivist society. Mm-hmm. And so individuals who are raised in, like the American society that's more individualistic, focus on what's important to me as a, as a human being, as a person. Um, it's all about me and becoming the best me I can be, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And, and that within context works. If, if we're talking about working with people who have a different perspective, a different value system, in that what happens in life is more about the family, it's more about helping the unit of the family to make advances, um, to be the best family they can be, the best family name that can exist in the community, things like that. But not just the best family, but to um, the extent where it's so much less about me. It's not about me. I represent the family. It comes back to the unit of analysis here is the family. So... While we are all in agreement with what we have said, I just thought I, I would raise that point about what shapes that value system? What shapes the lens through which we see ourselves and we see the world? And I live in that place of being bicultural. I'm from the Caribbean, but I've lived in the United States most of my life. I'm American. And I have had those personal struggles. I have had people not understand me, not understand my choices and my decisions, not understand when everything within me was was oriented to a certain perspective that didn't seem to benefit me or who I am as a person. And... I'm not saying that one is better or worse than the other. I'm just saying that these two realities exist. Mm-hmm. I and, do. I do um, think those. I think those two realities do exist, and I. I think. I do. I. I, I have. I do ha- agree with with much that you said. I. I believe though that most people do not make decisions based off of what is truly best for them. We may think so. And a lot, and especially, I know that that is what's being thought of American society too, but I believe that most people make decisions based off of what others perceive of them. And that's the difference. And that is where you begin to get into trouble. So to come back and realize that, you know, I have the benefit of sitting at the feet of a lot of seniors. It, you know, they love telling me their stories. It's It's been like that all my life. Um, I, I don't care where I am. A senior will start talking to me, and by the time we're done, I know a lot of their life story. And one of the things that I've learned 
from seniors is we somehow make so many decisions based off of what everybody else believes is the best thing for us. And then it isn't until, you know how, I think even Oprah said when she hit her 40s, she really stopped think, caring about what other people think. They, and then at 50, you're like, holy camoly, I really don't care what anybody else thinks. Well, when you're listening to people that are 70 and 80, and now they start doing things that they wanted to do for their whole entire life, but because somebody else told them not to, they didn't do it, the, now they're coming full circle, and they will tell you where their regrets came in. And most of the time, it's because they did not make that decision that they would have made based on someone else. So I like to think of myself as the cake. And if I can leave because we're running out of time, <laughs> and so I'm going to have to wrap this up because we could go for hours. Mm. But if I could mm -hmm. leave everyone with one thing, I want you to think of yourself as the your favorite cake, whatever flavor that may be. I want you to think of yourself as that cake and know that you are delicious without the icing. Man. When you get the icing, that's the gravy. That's what everybody else should be to you. It's just the icing. But you're already the cake. You were born with it. Everybody was born with their own gifts. So I'm going to give everybody like 30 seconds to just give a closing with, let's start with Antoinette, 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I thank you for the time. I, I, I truly find this uh, talk very um, inspirational and very necessary, and I hope that it touches as many lives and hearts and minds as it can. Um, I, I'm grateful for the platform and for spending time with you, and I hope that we can all um, go forth and be about greater missions after this. Thank you. Thank you. Fonda? Well, um, dovetailing off of what Antoinette said, ditto, and also we are the cake, and cake is supposed to be eaten too. Of course he would say that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Candace? <laughs> I mean, it's an and in both. <laughs> I love it. Oh, love my sisters. I love my sisters. Uh, <laughs> Tina, I am so grateful for this time and this space. And if there were one thing that I would want to say to anyone that is listening and really is in a state of despair is to remember that it, it it is bad and it may feel bad right now, but you are not bad. That is not you. Amen. It's not you. And so I just ask you and I pray for you right now in my spirit that you would not take no for an answer. Keep knocking until you find what you need to get the help that you deserve. We need you here. We love you. And the world is is a better place for you being in it. So do whatever you need to make sure you stay around because I want you here. Amen. Mm, that's good. Mm. Dr. Knight. <laughs> we are important. 
regardless of what we've been told, regardless of our cultural background, our spiritual background, we were uniquely made, designed with gifts and talents. And as I said before, with putting on your oxygen mask, when we become the best we we can be, then we can better help our families, our communities, and do even greater beyond our communities. So we all need to find validation in life. Let's validate ourselves first. Let's be able to celebrate ourselves, encourage ourselves. While we get validation from others as well, and that's important, let's be sure to acknowledge who we are and the great contributions that we can make with this precious life that we have. And we are each other's keeper, but we ought to learn how to keep ourselves as well. Amen. Great, mm-hmm. great. Miss Tina, can I say one one last one? Yes. Okay, she give give us one last tweetable. Did y'all hear that? Yes, I got my, I got my No. This is this is a, a something that's always been said. Mm-hmm. Don't create a permanent decision on a temporary situation. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well. First and foremost, I want to disclose, you know, that that infamous disclaimer, you know, we're not giving legal, financial, or health advice. If you need help, please, please reach out to somebody, somebody. What Antoinette just said is so important. Don't make a, a decision that is just so final off of a temporary situation. Uh, one of my favorite things that I say all all of the time is the only way to is through. And I want you to understand that most people, all people, are going through some type of changes. Just because some of us can hide it better than others doesn't mean that they're not going through a challenge. So there's nothing wrong with you when you're dealing with something. There's nothing wrong with you if you're not perfect. There's nothing wrong with you if you don't weigh a certain weight, if you're not a certain height, if your skin color is not a certain shade, um, whatever it is that you're judging yourself on right now, just understand that you were wonderfully made. And so with that, I want to thank all of my guests. Dr. Knights is on Facebook. You can find her, of course, at www.facebook.com slash M-I-C-H Knights, and that's with an S. Antoinette Capri can be reached at www.capri.biz, and that is www.capri.biz. Is that right, Antoinette? That's correct. Okay, just wanted to check. Or her telephone number is 302-792-7331. Fonda Clayton-Smith can be reached at amindfulentrepreneur.com. And you can connect with her on Twitter. And her Twitter handle is at MindfulFonda. Candice Ifema Barnes can be reached on Facebook and Twitter. And to learn more about how Candace can help you, you can view her video interview on my website, tinabrinkleypots.com, and the video is Will Your Mistakes Live on the Web Forever? You can actually just search on my site and find that. 
And for me, Tina Brinkley Potts, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm on all of them, Tumblr, whatever they are. And for more information about upcoming shows, events, the 22 City Tour, the book, go to tinabrinkleypots.com. Again, ladies, thank you so much for being here. And I really believe the tips and the strategies you guys gave today can save someone's life. So I thank you.